Stories from Yanya Revitalization. Neponginge is a phrase that means learning from each other in the Miami language, and it describes the relationship between the Miami tribe of Oklahoma and Miami University. This podcast uh, is where we will talk about how the Miami tribe of Oklahoma and Miami University learn from each other and how that has impacted the revitalization process for Miami people. Makunzakwa Wainswaani, Nila Miami Kuya, Mikemoane. Hi everyone, my name is Kara Strauss. I'm a citizen of the Miami Tribe of Oklahoma, and I work at the Miami Center at Miami University. Aya Pekatua Wainswaane, Nila Miami Kuya. My name is Christina Fox, and I'm a citizen of the Miami Tribe of Oklahoma, and I work with Kara at the Miami Center. Aya Cheke, Meme Sheke Wainswaane, Nehe Napishin Nila Miami. Hi everyone, my name is George Ironstrack, and I'm also a citizen of the Miami Tribe of Oklahoma, and I also work with Kara and Tina at the Miamia Center. Um, we are all, as we as we said, citizens of the same tribal nation, um, the Miami Tribe of Oklahoma. In our language, we call ourselves Miamia, or the downstream people. Um, we're a relatively small tribe of just over 5,800 people. Um, and our tribe is centered, our headquarters are in what is today Northeast Oklahoma. But our community is originally from homelands that include uh, what are today the states of Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, as well as parts of Wisconsin and Michigan. Today, uh, our citizens can be found living in diaspora in uh, 49 states, as well as outside the boundaries of what is today the United States. All three of us are also graduates of Miami University. George and I graduated with our master's and Tina with her bachelor's, and she will hopefully be finishing up her master's here before too long. But Miami University is a mid-sized public university with about 17,000 undergrads. And where it's located in Oxford, Ohio, is within the traditional homelands of the Miami people. Um, as we mentioned, we all work at the Miami Center, which is an initiative of the Miami tribe of Oklahoma to serve the needs of Miami people. Miami University and partner communities through research, education, and outreach that promote Miamia language, culture, knowledge, and values. And we created the Nepondinge podcast to really address all of those communities. And we, we do a lot of presentations in the non-COVID era, and we feel like this was a great time to reach people in a different form. So the podcast was really born out of reaction to COVID. So we're recording at home, we're recording at the office. Um, so you might hear pets in the background, cars, <laughs> the occasional uh, siren, maybe. Um, but we're all working to educate each other and you all <laughs> as best we can. So just to kind of recap what we've talked about so far, we talked about the history of the tribe's removal from the Midwest out to Oklahoma, why we've been working to revitalize Miamia language and culture, um, how the relationship with Miami University began with Chief Old's first visit out to Miami University, um, and just how that relationship has grown over the last nearly 50 years, um, as well as the creation of the Miamia Center, initially called the Miamia Project, in order to do this revitalization work. Um, 
And that bloomed out of our relationship with Miami University. So to move a little bit away from the history to kind of look at the student experience, um, we've mentioned in the past the creation of the heritage course at Miami University. Um, and we brought our, our relative, uh, Ian Young, to join us to speak about his experience. So I'll let him introduce himself. I cheke Lena Pingio Wayne's Wanan Nila Miamia Lenia Emanutian Shika Kongonje. Uh hi everyone. My name is Ian Young. Uh I am from the Chicagoland area originally, uh, but now I am currently in Duluth, Minnesota. Um I just uh graduated from law school last May. Um finishing my last semester on Zoom because of the pandemic. And I took the bar this summer and found out I passed in November. So now I'm practicing law up in Duluth. Mayway for joining us, Linapingia. So one of the reasons that we are bringing in the student experience is because we are about to reach a couple of pretty large um, milestones with um, the work that we're doing at Miami University. So in 2022, we will be celebrating the 50th anniversary of the relationship between the Miami tribe and Miami University. But we will also be at 100 graduates of the Miami Heritage Program. And we haven't talked a lot about that program up till this point. So we want you all to understand what it is, what that experience means to people who go through it, but our goal at the Miamia Center with the Miamia Heritage Program is really to foster a generation of Miamia people who have a baseline understanding of Miamia history, culture, language, knowledge system. And that is needed because of the history that we explored in episode two of forced removals of forced assimilation practices that led to a decline in language and culture. And so our work with Miamia students who come to Miami University and take part in the Miamia Heritage Program is really addressing that need of Miamia people to learn about all of, all of their Miamia identity and the, the knowledge that goes along with it. So welcome, Lenny. We're glad to have you. Glad to be here. Okay, so super duper quick overview of the heritage course, um, just to fill our listeners in. There's three core topics that the class cycles through. And then, you know, generally speaking, college is for a four-year experience. So in the fourth year, there is an independent study or um, senior project of the student's choice. So our three topics are sovereignty and contemporary issues, language and culture, and Miamia ecological perspectives and history. And these topics were chosen because we feel they give a pretty good baseline understanding, um, as Kara mentioned, uh, for, for our students. So like, that's the, the technical part. Uh, Lena Pingia, why don't you kind of give us what your experience was as a heritage course student? Sure. So my first year at Miami University, I believe we were in the Miamia Ecological Perspectives and History curriculum for the year. Um, and uh, coming to Miami University, my family um, did not retain any um, 
I don't know how to say this cleanly. They they didn't retain an extensive uh, extensive knowledge of of that part and others of the Miamia culture. Um, so what I'm trying to say is I, I came into the whole experience very green. Uh, I didn't know any people in the community for the most part. Um, I knew very little about the history of my own uh, my own tribe. Um, so coming in with the ecological perspectives and history curriculum, it it was great because it it just essentially brought me up to speed, uh, filled me in uh, from a like with a with a good a good wide breadth of information on the um, historical experiences of of our people, uh, as well as the um, the outlook, the, the, the outwards looking perspective of the tribe in the um, in the environment that they that we were all living in at that time before before removal. Um, and then and then subsequently after removal as well. Um, so it, the, that, that, that first year for me was a lot just almost like absorbing doctrinal information. Um, and then with the the second year, my sophomore year, by that time I had had, uh, I'd had time to make friends among my relatives in the class. Um, and, and we were going into the language and culture uh, curriculum, which, which just fell, fell very in line with my, my passions. I really am very passionate about language. I think that uh, words are incredibly powerful and, and choosing what words you use is important and shows how you view the things around you. So being able to learn the language of, of my ancestors was an incredibly powerful experience for me um, and really helped to expand my worldview beyond uh, that which I grew up with. Um, and then in the third year with sovereignty and contemporary issues, uh, that, that it was like the icing on the cake because I got to spend these two years building up this base of knowledge. And then uh, we get to dive straight into what our community is, is dealing with these days and the challenges that we're facing and, uh, and the triumphs that we have made uh, at exercising our sovereignty as a people. Um, I don't know, do you want me to talk about my senior project? I can talk about my senior project. Was that a yes? I'm sorry, I'm not actually looking at the Zoom screen. Yeah, yes. we'd love to hear about the senior project. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so my, my senior year, um, in order to better connect with my ancestors, I chose to do it in some way, almost a biographical project. Um, the, as I said at the, at the, at my introduction, my Miamia name is Lenapingia. And uh, I share that, that name with my great, great, great grandfather um, on my, on my mother's side. And uh, that Lenapingia lived in Peru, Indiana. And among many things, he made bows. And so in order to better connect with the man with whom I share uh, the same name, I went off to learn how to make a bow as he would have made uh, in, the, in the 1800s when he lived. And uh, so I, I, spent, <clears throat> I spent 
the summer before my senior year, working with a guy in my hometown in the south suburbs of Chicago, and he he taught me how to how to make a bow using a draw knife, and um, I. Uh, work, I worked on that bow over the course of the summer and uh, put together a, a presentation uh, on uh, the older Lenapingia and the bow making process. And it was really, it was a really powerful experience to be able to connect to him in that way through an activity that I know that he uh, was frequently uh, participating in. So one of the things that you pointed out is it wasn't until your second year that you really had a lot of like community engagement. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, well, without, without coming to school with that already well-rooted and established connection to the community, um, despite Cha Chains or Mamie Shikia's assurances that, you know, everyone in the room in that first classroom, that we are all, we are relatives, we're all members of the same community. Uh, I was sitting, I was sitting in a room full of strangers and I was very, was very intimidated uh, by the um, comparative lack of knowledge that I had compared to all of these other students, because uh, regardless of what year you are, all the Miami tribal students are taking the same courses together. Um, so, you know, people who were, who were in their third years at Miami University, who had already had two prior years of, of teaching on the subject, were just significantly more knowledgeable than I was. Uh, and that was intimidating at first. Um, but through, through the, the targeted outreach of a few tribal students, I began to feel more welcomed into the community. I started uh, developing stronger uh, relationships with, with the other tribal students. And then by, by my sophomore year, I was able to start um, taking ownership of that, of my position within the community. Instead of, instead of needing to be the person who, or instead of being the person who needed the outreach, I was able to be the person who provided that outreach um, to, uh, to an incoming class of students who came from various different family stories, some more connected who have gone up through some of the other uh, tribal programs to students who are just like me, who, whose families, um, because of the, the strategic and disastrous efforts of the federal government, uh, they fell out of contact with their own uh, culture, with the stories of their ancestors. Um, and so, so that second year, especially when we were working with uh, language, which I said before is something I'm so passionate about, it, it just really gave me the, the perfect environment to, um, to become a more active participant in, in my own tribal community. And I, th I think you hit on something that we should probably reemphasize too is, yes, we have students coming that have no prior knowledge or experience because of that disconnect. Um, but we also have people who are growing up attending tribal events, going to youth programs. Um, so there, there really is a wide range. Makunzakwa or uh, Mamashikia, do you have anything you want to add on, on that? Yeah, I think, I think Ian and Lena Pingia said it, said it quite well about the, the feeling of what it's like to walk into a room with people who you're told you're, you're, they're your relatives, but um, concretely that doesn't mean anything to you yet, right? And that's not a... Um, not an unusual experience for a certain 
um, part of every cohort that comes in. Um, but despite us verbally telling people that you know, you're not unique, many of your fellow classmates feel or felt the same way as you, it still is uh, to a certain degree isolating. And so I think, um, you know, looking back at, at your time, Lenapinja, I think um, you perhaps were a great example to those who came after about how you can be an ever stronger advocate for other students and welcoming them into the community. And um, that students can be a huge part of helping break down that sense of isolation and maybe even sometimes a sense of guilt that you don't know, um, that there's an expectation you should know. And despite you know, those of us who are running the class saying, you know, we don't expect you to know these things. Um, that feeling is still there, I think. And so it, the, the actions of student leaders are so important in helping to bring that community together um, after those natural first couple weeks of awkwardness that are just always a part of classroom life. Yeah, I, I really, I think it is important to have it coming laterally from your peers because, uh, you know, the Miyamiya Center staff when I arrived at the time, the Miyamiya project, uh, they, you know, you all were nothing but supportive and welcoming and reassuring. And the, the issue was, is that, you know, I, I was just in a place at that point where, um, regardless, like there was no way of reaching me at, at, from, from your position, you know, it, it took, it took students who were, at least um, I, I could at least better consider my peers to really reach me and show me how from that position I could participate in the community uh, and how I could impact others of my peers coming in. Um, you know, there, there is, there's a, a very unique relationship that it gives, it gives you, um, you know, a special, uh, special perspective and, and, to a certain extent, leverage at, at helping someone acclimate to the environment. Uh, because I mean, to a large degree, that's how I kind of considered it. I needed to acclimate. <laughs> yeah, I have to say my own undergraduate experience was pretty similar to yours in that respect too. <laughs> I, I, I was shy, introverted, didn't want to talk to anybody. So I needed somebody to approach me and be like, come on, let's, let's go do this. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally get it. You know, and you, know, you all know me now. I'm very loud. I'm, I'm very, I'm very extroverted, but especially in those, uh, in, in those initial moments, you, you almost don't even, um, you almost don't even know enough to know how to express that part of yourself in this new environment. You know, it's, it's a situation where you have, you have people gathered that are connected to you in a way that in American society, you likely have never ever experienced before. Um, so it's, it, is, it is totally uncharted social territory for a student coming in who doesn't already have that connection established. So how, how did that really affect your, your whole school experience? So, your undergraduate, and then even leading into your, your law school? Well, I don't think it's an understatement to say that it changed my life. Um, because I came, I came into Miami University immediately declaring a double major in physics and philosophy with a Spanish minor. Um, I had no clear idea of what I wanted to do for a career, but I was at least on the path towards um, 
towards a career in academia and physics. I was very passionate about physics. Um, and as I went through the heritage programs curricula, I was developing a deeper and deeper connection and discovering a previously unknown passion for all things Miami and, and, and Indian country writ large. I became very interested in, uh, in the experiences, the struggles and the dreams of indigenous peoples all over, the, within the United States at least. And um, I came to a point in college as I feel like most undergrads do when you realize that what you thought you wanted to do is simply not what you want to do. And there's that, there's that moment of panic, which is, oh no, what do I do? Um, and so uh, this was now, this was in my third year. So my, I was a junior at Miami University. The sun was setting on my undergraduate uh, time. And, at, and I had already built up by this point, strong relationships among the Miamia Center staff and among the other students. And I went to Daryl Baldwin, who I know you guys have discussed on previous episodes. And I just told him I didn't know. I was like, Daryl, I, I, I hate physics. I don't know what to do with my life. Can you help me? And he said, well, do you have any interest in the law? I told him no, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I said, Daryl, you know, I don't have any interest in the law but I wouldn't necessarily know if I did either at this point. So just sign me up for everything you, you've got and I will just, I'll take the battery. Uh, and so the Miami Center, you know, because the center staff is so, I mean, so determined for the success of, of the tribal students who come through the program and how the, you know, even the social relationships that develop are, are incredibly atypical compared to any other thing that I've experienced um, in law school or in high school. Uh, Daryl set up for me a, a summer long internship that sent me uh, fr from the Eastern Seaboard working with an archeological team to uh, working with the Breath of Life Institute at the Smithsonian. I helped with um, the, the Miamia summer camps for kids. I, what else did I do before? I, I think that might've been everything I did before I wound up in St. Paul, Minnesota, working for a boutique Indian law firm, just, just kind of uh, interning, getting the idea of what, what it looked like to be a, a practitioner of Indian law. And I realized that despite my, my judgment on the matter that Daryl was, was spot on and that the law was actually very intriguing. It was incredibly fascinating. To me, it, it immediately appeared to, to be the closest thing to applied philosophy I could manage as a career. Um, and I knew that if I went into Indian law, that I could at least make a difference in Indian country with, with the work that I would do. Um, so, so yeah, my exposure to the Miami Center Heritage Project, to the community becoming uh, becoming really embedded in the community and developing those relationships took me from a path towards a miserable life in a physics lab, which, which is miserable for me, not for everyone. Um, I would have wilted and died. Um, but it took me from that point to 
uh, a legal career that I would have never set myself on before. But like I said earlier, you know, I just graduated in May. I'm currently practicing uh, defense law in, in Duluth, and I am just weaseling my way into an Indian country position any way I can, pandemic willing. Um, so you, you, you filled us in on, on uh, how you ended up in law school, but as Karen mentioned in our introductions, we've all gone through some sort of higher education and ended up working with or for the tribe. So Mamashikia, Makunzukwa, do you have anything that you would like to add to this part? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, my undergraduate was not at my university. The, the heritage program didn't uh, really exist um, in its, the way it existed when Nanapinja came in when I was an undergraduate. Um, <clears throat> but in many ways, the, the work that was going on in cultural revitalization like opened pathways that I didn't know were there when I was going through my undergraduate experience. And so then my graduate degree, um, which was at Miami University, um, very much was directly connected to the the fire that had been lit within me by the the work in cultural revitalization and the early work in at that time the Miamia project. And it's directly because of Daryl and the Miamia project that I came to Miami University for my graduate degree. Um, so there's there's quite a few parallels, I feel, um, when I hear Ian describing his story of finding a, a direction. Um, and Daryl kind of sits at the center of that as well as the, the broader revitalization work. Yeah, I feel like I um, have many similarities to, to both of your stories. I also did not do my undergrad at Miami University. I went to Notre Dame um, and I spent a, a large portion of my time there working with other Native students through the Native American Student Association. And I usually tell people that I feel like that experience for me was the time that I came to understand what it meant to be a contemporary Native American woman within our, our society. But the piece that was really missing for me was that tie to my specific cultural identity. That when you go to a university, and I had friends who were from all across the nation, all different tribal nations, we could come together and, and talk about what it means to be Native American. But I didn't have a Miamia experience by any means in, in college. But what I did realize is that I really had a passion for thinking about how to support Native American students through the college experience and realizing that there is a, a huge need out there for that work. Um, I also had that moment of realization that I was a biology major and that I didn't want to be an academic scientist. Um, and so I knew that I wanted to go back and do student affairs type work, but it took me a little while to get there. So, you know, just got a, got a job for a while before going back to, to graduate school. And so I think what I've realized is that the Miami Heritage Program it provides such a unique opportunity for students that is really not available almost anywhere else. Maybe you can get close to it at a tribal college or university, depending on which one you go to. Um, you can go to universities that maybe have a larger population of, of people from your same tribe. But 
you just cannot get the same experience of an academic program that's focused on teaching you about your own history, language, culture, knowledge, and value systems. It just doesn't exist. And so being able to go through that program myself, even as a graduate student, and then helping to, you know, foster other students through this experience has just has made me realize how special and important it is. Um, and that we really feel like we we owe it to our students to make sure that they can be successful at Miami University because we're asking them to to come to a school that they probably wouldn't have come to otherwise to take part in this experience that can be a little bit new and uncomfortable at times. Um, and that's part of, of why we're here to support people through that process. Um, so I'm, I'm a bit of an outlier here. I didn't have that, that moment in my undergrad where I'm like, I don't want to do this. Um, I, I, I came in knowing I wanted to be a science teacher and that's what my undergrad is in. I, (laughs) I graduated from Miami and I went to a school and started teaching science. Um, but the community here and, and learning about my own heritage was like the big game changer here. Like I probably would not have even looked at my university if it wasn't for the heritage program. Um, so knowing that I was going to get that unique experience made a difference for me. Um, and then I, I was all in too. So I participated in the summer programs that I didn't get the chance to do. Like, I just didn't know about my family was disconnected. Um, Letta Pinji and I kind of share the same family lines. So we we have similar experiences with that disconnect um, for like the larger, the larger story and, and involvement. And uh, so I was all in participating. I worked at the Miyamiya Project as a student worker. So I was constantly surrounded by staff and students and um, Lena Pinji and I overlapped for a semester because I was off student teaching. So I came back and all of a sudden, you know, all the people who dragged me in, into being involved also had, had Lena Pingia. So that was, that was interesting. That was an adjustment for me <laughs> at least. Um, but then by the time graduation came around, I knew that I career wise, I was doing what I, what I set out to do, but I felt a loss. Like I had a I had a moment where I'm like, how am I going to stay connected? How am I going to keep connected? Um, Well, I got back from student teaching and George was like, hey, (laughs) do you want to to help us run these summer programs? And I I was all in, I was all for it. And that just kind of grew after my husband and I had had our daughter, we um, decided to, to shift to Oxford. And, and now I'm working at the Miami center, um, in the education office. So that, that was really my, what am I doing with my life moment more than major. Um, but kind of, kind of moving to the bigger picture, um, you mentioned the, the, the community ties, do you, want, do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so I think we all have these, these different experiences, um, but it, our, our own personal experiences within this program tend to lead to a difference in 
the community-wide involvement. And so, Linapingia, how do you feel like you coming to Miami University and becoming more in, ingrained in communal events has changed your family's involvement within the Miamia community? Oh, I mean, there, the, the change is substantial. Um, because, you know, like I said, and Dina, yeah, I, I, uh, I do sometimes forget that you, you and I are the two closest related, or you are more closely related to me than any of the other tribal students in the program. Uh, but, um, our, our family, um, our family just over the generations began to become more and more disconnected from, from the community just because of the immense, uh, governmental and societal pressure around to just adapt, assimilate, and disappear into the fold, essentially. Um, so my, my family, we had the factoid that we were Miami, and we had some documents from my, from my uh, grandparents and, and their uh, father's generation to j just kind of give us a little peek into what it meant to be Miami. Um, and before I came to Miami University and went through the, the heritage program, that was essentially as deep as our connection to our ancestors went. Now, I have a niece who is attending Miami University. She is a sophomore, I believe, right? She is in her second year. Yeah. Um, and that's amazing. That's amazing to say. Um, my family has been attending annual gathering in the summer. They've been coming down for winter gathering. My mom and my brother uh, did the, the fall gathering campouts that we were doing a, for the last couple of years. Um, my nieces and nephews, of which I have many, uh, have mostly all been involved in uh, the A1 Zapata summer programs. Um, so my nieces and nephews who, um, you know, they're, they're technically a generation below me, but, you know, it's, it's a matter of, of a decade and some change for most of them. They are now going to be, uh, well, some of them, not going to force any of them, but for those who choose to attend Miami University, to go through the Heritage Program, to pursue that, uh, that incredible, and, and like, like Kara and uh, Makun Zekwa and Mamie Shikia both said, uh, an experience that you truly cannot get as a Miami person, it's an experience you cannot get anywhere else. For those who choose, they're going to be entering the program with immensely more knowledge than I came in with, came into the program with, I, with friends from the A1 Zapata program that will be at, likely attending Miami University at the same time as them. Um, they are already going to be active and happy participants of that community when they arrive. And that is an enormous change from what I experienced as the, the first member of my family to, um, to jump straight back into the community um, fully. And, and, and if I'm remembering correctly, Kikia was super excited about being featured in the, the calendar with some of your nieces and nephews. Yeah, a, a significant, although incomplete portion of my brood. Yes, uh, she, she had a collection of, of some of her grandbabies uh, down in Oklahoma, and she was ecstatic about that. I mean, my mom has by far been um, as much as 
my experiences in the heritage program and working with the tribe has affected my life. I think the only person who could argue that it's impacted them more has been my own mother. Um, she has always, even when, even when the, the family just did not have much information to go off of, she was the one person in my family who always tenaciously pursued uh, more and more information about, about this, um, I mean, about our, about our ancestors, about, about our tribal community. And she was doing the best she had with what she could. And now that we, and since we discovered the heritage program, since we've gotten the whole family involved, um, I mean, I, she, I could not imagine her. Uh, I, I, I can't even, I can't even compare to how, how much it means to her that this is happening and that my, my nieces and nephews and my siblings are being, are beginning to um, become active participants in the community as well. When she spent the vast majority of her life as a Miamia woman, um, you know, talk, talking about when the Indian money was going to come around the kitchen table with her dad and what they were going to do with it when it arrived. Um, and, you know, she would occasionally hear her grandfather talk about going to visit the chief, but grandpa did, or great grandpa didn't talk very much. So there wasn't a lot for her to know. And now, you know, she, she's doing her best she can to learn the language. She is focused and driven to make sure that the practice of naming uh, fully takes root again in my family so that it can carry on under its own inertia. Um, I mean, I mean it, it, it's changed my whole family's lives. Yeah, and I think, you know, different people within our community definitely experience this differently. You know, for my myself, I grew up in a family that was very connected. You know, my grandmother has always been connected to her identity as a Miami Indian person. But what that meant was very different when I was a child. Um, you know, I, I knew who my family was. I visited many places that were important to our community and especially to our family. But, but that was really kind of the extent because that was, that was the knowledge that my grandmother had. Um, and so, you know, it's really my generation and below that have become more and more involved. And I think that we see that commonly in our students is that, you know, for those that come from families that are disconnected, they are, you know, creating those new connections. And even for families that have always been connected, there's a new depth of understanding of, of what it means to be a, a Miamia person. And so this has had such an impact on our community as a whole. You know, we are we are not just connected to our students, we're connected to their parents and their grandparents in many ways. Our students are taking this information back to their families and they're the ones that are teaching in a lot of different ways. Um, and so, you know, we are a contemporary tribal nation that's really going through this whole revitalization process. And while this is not the, the only place that we do this, this education, um, it's not the only place to learn about your Miamia identity. It is one significant way that that our community is is doing that. Um, and to have a hundred graduates who now have gone through that program feels like we really have, you know, a substantial cohort of Miamia people who now have this kind of baseline understanding 
of what it means to to be Nyamia. So looking forward, um, you know, we're, we're celebrating 50 years of the relationship between the tribe and the university in 2022. But we've also talked about what this has has meant to the tribal nation. What do you all feel like this this transition is? Um, what the future might look like within our Miami community or within this relationship with the university? I think you know, building building off of what you talked about, Makunzikwa, in terms of the deepening of education. Um, I think. For me, that's that's what I perceive happening in the future. It's not a dramatic or drastic change. There's no revolution coming, but rather, mm-hmm. but rather an ever deepening sense of what we can teach here, what the questions students will ask here, but also um, the ways in which that all takes root in the community. So, you know, I, I for me, Nusa, my father was always connected, um, but, but like you said, what that meant has drastically deepened over time so that what my children experience in, in our home growing up with Miamia values and language and culture is drastically deeper than what I experienced growing up. And so, you know, going forward, what I can only imagine is, is other students, um, graduates of this program, as they become parents in the Miamia way, which means um, not just biological parents, but also what in English we call aunts and uncles, that the experience of children, like like Ian already described with his nieces and nephews, the experience that they're going to have at younger and younger ages is going to be um, really deep and steeped in Miamia understandings of the world. And the kinds of young adults they'll be then will be even deeper. Um, And the places that they will take our community, um, we can't predict that or control it, but I have a really positive sense about the good directions, the generations that will come after us, um, the, the good directions they will take our community. Kind of going along with with that, like for me, realizing, well, first of all, we're, we're talking a lot about like our community. So we're not talking just about citizens. We're also talking about spouses. We're talking about allies. Um, so for me, (laughs) my husband bought into this like 100%. He, he likes to hang out with Lenapingia and they'll just go off and talk and Miami Atawenge and I get lost in the dust because both of them have a better affinity for language learning than I do. Um, So like him embracing that and supporting this and, you know, that, that had an impact in our, our decision to move to Oxford like we both agreed giving back to the community would be like the one thing that we'd be real willing to um, change our careers for or our lifestyle for um, because that was important to us. It was intrinsically fulfilling. Um, so once he had the, like when, once he bought into it and we jointly decided that we were going to do our best to raise our daughter learning learning our language, learning our culture, being involved. Um, I had this moment where it was like, she's not going to know, like she'll have, she'll have heard our language her entire life. Now, fluency is a whole, whole other matter, um, because of the loss, but 
like that was really impactful for me. So moving forward, being able to pass that on, um, sharing it with my brother's kids, um, my mom, who is not of Miyamia heritage, is is really good about attending events, bringing my nieces along if my brother can't make it. Um, so just just finding those people um, and and building those connections um, moving forward, that's going to be important because we can't do it by ourselves. We're, we're a, a tiny nation. There's, there's a lot of external pressure on us. So getting, getting that commitment to encourage this, this work, this revitalization, building that community, being involved, um, deepening all of that connection, that, that is what I see moving forward is going to be, be the, the biggest deciding factor, what happens in the future. If, if we don't have that support, we, we aren't going to get very far with, with all of the hard work we've been putting in. Yeah, I think one of the things that's really exciting to me as I work with our students at Miami University and I see them go through this program is that the vast majority of them tell us that they have a desire to give back to the Miami community in some way because of this opportunity that was afforded to them. And so many of them have found ways to make this not necessarily a part of their career, but a part of of their lives. Um, So whether it's people like Linapingia who are going out and practicing tribal law or students who are pursuing you know, post-secondary degrees, or whether it's coming back and being involved as, you know, storytellers in our community gatherings or sitting on, you know, committees within the tribe. Um, And that just continues to grow. And I think we'll just continue to strengthen our nation um, in a variety of ways culturally, but also there is the, you know, the sovereign, you know, business that takes place within a tribe. And so there are people working within all of these different areas. And so many of them have come through our youth programs, through the Miami Heritage Award. And so, you know, the strengthening of our tribal nation, the the idea of of continuance and self-determination just continues to to grow and and flourish. And we're just seeing such big impact from from this entire awakening, the Emamuchiki, the awakening of Miamia language, culture, knowledge. Um, And this program plays one one part in that process. So as as we move towards wrapping up this episode of the podcast, when I just come back to, you know, our focus was the the student experience here at Miami University and the Miami Heritage Program. And like all of our discussions, it very quickly expanded to really talk about and encompass the whole community, right? So I just want to bring it back to the student experience again and really emphasize a couple of key things that I heard throughout. And the first is this, just how much the program assists our youth, Miami youth. Um, you know, for us, you're still a youth till you're 25 or so in our community um, in, in developing their identity. And that identities are are still developing for all 20-somethings, late teens and early 20-somethings, not just not just Miyamiake, not just our people. 
Um, and so to have this program in place to help our, our young people as they are um, sort of in the, the latter stages of identity development is, is really important. And I think Ian's stories as well as our own stories um, highlight the, the, the power of that. Um, and that, that in many ways, our students serve as ambassadors back to their own families so that um, there's, a, there's a tie to the, the revitalization of the community and that language, culture, these discrete things that we create classes around history, ecology, in the end, what we're talking about is community revitalization, the revitalization of the internal well-being of the Miamia community and the ties that bind us together. And many of those ties became weakened. Some of those ties were maybe temporarily lost, um, but that what we're witnessing through our students' uh, work, right? That we we help sit at the center of this, but it takes our students' willingness to be the ambassadors back to their families. We see this flourishing of community revitalization that, that Makun Zikwan talked about. And that for us here at the center, I think the students really represent our community as a living people. And they then serve as a wonderful like taste test case for our work in the broader community. And I think most students sort of willingly accept that, that we're going to try some things out in terms of this learning environment on you so we can see if they'll work in the broader community. And so again, the student participation in this process of revitalization is, is really important, um, almost is, is critical. And, you know, they in terms of representing us as a community, you know, we are a community in diaspora and our students come to us from all over what is today the United States. Um, they come to us with a variety of backgrounds in terms of a previous experience with our language and culture. Some of them come as youth participants from families that have been a part of revitalization since the earliest days. And some of them come to us with very little background, right? And they all mix together. And as Ian's story highlighted, support each other in growing. Um, their own understandings of who they are. And, you know, they reflect, you know, we're all citizens of the same tribal nation, but uh, racially, the community is diverse today. And so our students reflect the, the phenotypical expressions that are highly varied in our community. And um, again, that's who we are today. The students represent us as a living community. So as we hit this, you know, round number of 100 graduates, for me, what that symbolizes is, um, Again, like a, a hundred ambassadors out in our bigger community, spreading spreading knowledge and increasing increasing community connection. And just to reflect back, all the way in episode one, um, we used a clip of Daryl Baldwin's 2017 Miami University commencement address. And in that address, he was talking to the Heritage Corps students who were graduating that day, but also all of Miami University's graduates, their families, um, you know, it was live streamed, whoever was tuning in. And in his speech, he spoke about the impact of collaboration and relationship building. So it affects the Miamia community and outside of the Miamia community. Um, so one thing we want to ask our listen, listeners to do is to really think about what communities are you part of? It could be based on your heritage. It could be a group that you belong to. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be any one particular thing, but think about the communities you're a part of. Um, and as an engaged learner, think about how, how you give back or how you could give back to those communities. Um, 
if you're doing, if you're listening to this episode for a class, you can share that. However, your instructor wants you to share that. You can always reach out to the Miyamiya Center on social media or email us. Um, but we really want you to think about how you can give back to the communities you're involved in. When we started thinking about the creation of a podcast, um, these were the three episodes that we were initially really thinking about. So as we look forward and, and would like to create more podcasts, we would love to hear your feedback about what you're interested in. What would you like to learn more about? One topic that we are interested in um, is talking about how you bring back a language that has, has gone dormant, that hasn't been spoken for a period of time, like Miamia Tawenge. So we've talked to you a little bit about archive-based revitalization, um, but we could talk more about how, how you do that how we've partnered with people like computer science at Miami University for technical support. But we know that you all probably have different things that you're interested in. And so we'd love to hear from you. Please reach out via the Miamia Center Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or you can email us at miamiacenter at miamioh.edu. And we will take that into consideration as we start to plan for our future podcasts. So thank you so much for listening to us. We owe a big mission Neway to Lina Pingia. Thank you for coming on today, helping us to talk about the Miamia Heritage Program experience. Nikia, happy to be here. Nikia Neway, Nika. Neway. Thank you all for listening to us. We also need to say a big nayway to our um, folks that have helped us to make this podcast possible. So a big thank you to Jonathan Fox, who is serving as the producer, to Lena Pingia, Ian Young, for coming on our show today, to Daryl Baldwin and Julie Olds for the work that they have done in revitalization and helping us to create this podcast and then to Miami University Communications and Marketing, as well as the Communications Department for their assistance in helping us to, to set up and make this podcast possible. And, and they weigh also to Megan Sekulich, one of our current students, for designing uh, the logo for our podcast. <laughs>